So before we get into the sermon, I do have a video clip. Before we get to that, let me pray and then we'll get into it. God, we are thankful that you bless us in so many ways. Uh, you are holy. And Lord, we, we are only able to be holy because of you. You sanctify us by the cleansing blood of Jesus. You sanctify us through the Spirit. Lord, we're thankful that this is, this is not something. Salvation is not something. Christian living is not something we do by our own means. We're thankful that you empower us. That Jesus, he, he changes us. And Lord, we pray that we would be tools through which you can bring salvation to others. That people would come to know you through the way we live, through the gospel that we preach. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, so I have a quick little funny video before I get into the sermon. So I'm going to sit down and let it play. Back in 82. I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Watch this. Ah. What the heck are you doing? That's what I'm talking about. I better go. <laughs> How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Yeah, if coach would have put me in fourth quarter, we'd have been state champions, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. You better believe things would have been different. I'd have gone pro in a heartbeat. I'd be making millions of dollars and living in a big old mansion somewhere, you know, soaking it up. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. All right. Fun fact, my, my dad actually, when, when this movie came out, which of course is Napoleon Dynamite, my dad actually took my oldest brother, Zach, to the movie because he thought it was a historical movie about Napoleon. Um, <laughs> and so, and I think my brother was maybe like nine or ten, not necessarily a movie you should take your nine or ten year old too. Uh, but <laughs> that's just quite funny. They left like I think ten minutes in. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, often people, you know, they they say they they can do things or they they will do things, but it's all just talk, right? Like Uncle Rico, it's all just talk. It's probably not going to happen. Probably didn't happen. Uh, you know, when you're when you're with your friends and you know somebody's saying, hey, you know, I bet you I could do this, and then what what do you say in response? Prove it, right? Prove it. We know that for somebody to say that they can do something means nothing, right? It means nothing if they don't, in fact, do it, or if they don't, or if they can't do it. Now, Jesus, he's obviously not like a testy friend. He's not just looking at you saying, prove it, prove it, prove it. No, but last week we saw that Jesus says to those who believe, those who trust in him, they're going to also do the works that he does and even greater works. Right, these works are a result of belief, of true belief in him. And this week we read in John chapter 14, verse 15. John chapter 14, verse 15. That says, Jesus says, If you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Right, if you love me, or this could be translated as, If you are loving me, you will keep my commands. You see, just as there's fruit from true belief, there is fruit 
from loving Jesus, which really, if you think about this, how it words it, love and keeping His commands are inseparable. You don't love Jesus if you don't keep His commands. Right? Just saying you love Jesus means nothing if you don't keep His commands. What commands? You might think, well, John chapter 13, for starters. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, as we read recently. Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love as Jesus has loved, right? You've got to pay attention to that qualifier there. He's not just talking about any old love, but you are to love. He commands you to love just as he has loved them. And I imagine Matthew 5 through 7 may also be in mind, right, when we think about the commands of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, he's correcting what the scribes and the Pharisees, how they understood, how they interpreted the law. So maybe he has his love in mind, and he also has Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, in mind. But here's the thing with John chapter 14, verse 15. This verse, if you read it just by itself, if you love me, you will keep my commands. It's easy to read that and then interpret it legalistically. Right? When you read that, you might think to yourself, sometimes people think, okay, okay I've got to prove my love to Jesus so that he'll bless me. Again, I give you one word that I've talked about a whole lot, context. Right? When you read Matthew 14, not Matthew, John 14, verse 15, when you read that by itself, it is easy to slip into a works-based salvation kind of mindset, but we've got to read it in the context. Verse 15 does not stand alone. So verses 15 and 16, that says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor, another helper, to be with you forever. Right? Another counselor, another helper. It's kind of confusing and not sure how exactly to describe it, but the, the general idea is that Jesus has not left us alone, and then the word another implies that they currently have one. Obviously, He's talking about Himself. He's talking about uh, Himself, Jesus. I'm like this helper that I'm going to send to you. Right, so Jesus, we're not reading verse 15 by itself. Right, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Yes, that's true, but we're not alone. That does not happen by our own power. Without Jesus' work, through the Spirit, that doesn't happen. We continue on as Jesus says in verse 17, He is the Spirit of truth. The Word is unable to receive Him because it doesn't see Him or know Him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. All right, so the spirit of truth, this, uh, this helper, we're talking about the same being here. These are different phrases, different titles for the same being. And then he says the world is unable to receive this spirit of truth. One question you've got to ask is why? Why can't this world receive it? Well, Jesus says it neither sees him. The world neither sees him nor knows him. Now, the world here seems to be just a reference to the world, right? Because obviously he says that they know him. So Jesus is not talking about, okay, nobody can see him, nobody can know him. It's not, it's not possible. He's not saying that. Rather, just generally, the world cannot see him, the world cannot know him, but the disciples presently do. Why do they know him? Well, as Jesus says, for he dwells with you. This is why they know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, notice something in that phrase, what Jesus says there. He doesn't say, you know him because you sought him out. 
He doesn't say, you know him because you're particularly smart. They know him because the Spirit dwells with them and will be in them. And I think the same thing really applies to Jesus. We don't know Jesus because we're particularly smart. We've got everything figured out. We know Jesus because Jesus has revealed himself. Without Jesus revealing himself, without Jesus coming down into the flesh, we're hopeless. We can't figure this out on our own. We know him because he has revealed himself. We continue on verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. He's not going to abandon us. He's not leaving us alone. This is not something that we do on our own. Christian living, Christian love, is not something we do by our own power. And I imagine they're probably a little bit confused. They're saying, what what do you mean you're going to come to us? Are you planning on leaving? He's talking, again, remember, he's talking to his disciples here, the 11 that are present. Are you planning on leaving, Jesus? What do you mean? Well, we continue on. Verse 19, he says, In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. Now one thing here, Jesus says that the world, the world will see him no more, but they will. The world will see him no more, but they will. How? I'm going to let the text answer this. We continue on verse 20. On that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So in this text, we have some unresolved questions. Well, how will Jesus come after he leaves? What day is Jesus referring to here in verse 20? And how will they be in Jesus and Jesus be in them? To answer this, compare verses 17 and 20 with me. Verse 17, again, Jesus says, He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you. Pay attention to these last few words here. And he will be in you. Verse 20. Verse 20, Jesus says, On that day you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me, pay close attention to this, and I am in you. Jesus dwells in us by way of the Spirit. And I'm going to do a little bit of jumping ahead. What day was he talking about? I think he's talking about Pentecost, right? Where the Spirit descends upon them like tongues of fire or whatever. Descends upon them. I think he's referring to that day. So Jesus, I think he's saying, based on verses 17 and 20, that he's going to dwell in us. He's going to dwell in them by the way of the Spirit. Well, how do we know that? How do we know that we're in Jesus and Jesus is in us? In other words, how do we know if the Spirit's in us? Again, I'm going to let Jesus answer this. Verse 21, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and will reveal myself to him. I think this is how. By loving him and keeping his commands. And in this process, in this process of loving him, in this process of keeping his commands, what does Jesus promise here in verse 21? He's going to reveal himself. He's going to manifest himself to us. Well, what does he mean by reveal? What does he mean by manifest himself? When we come to belief in Jesus, right, the moment we do, is it that way we just completely understand him? When we come to belief, do we, do we, do we just completely understand Jesus? Do we completely see Jesus? No, I don't think so. Even the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he talks about seeing in a mirror dimly, mind you, in the context of love. 
right? And if God is love, what does that tell us about Jesus? Jesus is love. So even the Apostle Paul says, man, uh, I don't see everything. I don't completely know him. And so in this process of loving Jesus and keeping his commands, Jesus progressively reveals himself. As we are in faith, as we place our faith in Jesus, we come to know him, we come to see him more clearly. Verse 22, we continue on. Judas, not Iscariot, right? We're not talking about the betrayer here. Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Now, here we got to keep their understanding of the Messiah in mind. How are you going to reveal, not reveal yourself to the world, but you're going to reveal yourself to us? They had this expectation that Jesus was going to be this kind of Messiah that established them as a world power. It was going to be an earthly kingdom. So obviously, in their minds, if Jesus wants to do that, then he's going to have to reveal himself to the world. What do you mean you're not going to reveal yourself to the world, but you revealed yourself to us? Surely, surely if you're the Messiah we think you are, you're going to establish us as a worldly power. And Jesus, he kind of answers, he continues on, he corrects his thinking. Verses 23 and 24, Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. Jesus responds, I'm not that kind of Messiah. I'm not the Messiah you think I am. He's not about world domination. He's not about earthly political power. He's a Messiah who establishes a home with us. He's a Messiah who establishes a home with those who love him and those who keep his commands, who keep his words. And again, I encourage you, don't don't get exclusively focused on those verses. It'd be easy to read those verses and think, okay, you know what, I I think I've got to earn the presence of Jesus. Is is that what Jesus is telling me? I've got to earn it? By keeping his commands, I earn his presence, and if, if I slip up, then, then he leaves me? Is that what he's saying here? Again, I say to you, context, because verses 25 and 26, we read, I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the, the Helper, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you or direct you in all things, and remind you of everything I have told you. So the Spirit of Truth, this Comforter, this Helper, the Holy Spirit, we're all referring, this is referring to the same being here. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He directs us. The word for teach can also be translated as direct. He directs us. He gives us remembrance of all of Jesus' teachings. So when we read Jesus saying, hey, if you love me, you're going to keep my commands, we don't read it just by itself. He's not saying, all right, you're going to do it by your own power, by your own means, you're going to earn your salvation. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, if you love me, yes, you're going to keep my commands, but it's not by your own power. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit that's going to empower you, that's going to direct you concerning what I have taught you. So yes, if we love him, we will keep his commands. You can't separate those two things. We keep his commands, we love him, we love him, we keep his commands. If you just say you love him, it's all just talk. 
If there's fruit of keeping his commands, you know that the Spirit is in you, that Jesus is in you, that you actually love him. But again, like I did last week, I encourage you to trust. Just as we are to trust him when he says that those who believe in me, those who trust me, will do my works and do even greater works. Do we trust that? Do we trust his promise? Just like we should trust that promise, do we trust that he means I have sent you a helper? I've sent you a comforter. I've sent you a counselor. I've sent you the Holy Spirit that empowers you, that guides you according to my commands. So trust him. If you haven't already, you can trust him. You can receive the Spirit as we stand and sing.